Okay, welcome back, guys, to Recovery in the Raw, where it gets real and raw and where we get raw about real life. Okay, so um, Mama Cam is out of town Mm -hmm. and left us two crazy kids home alone. So you get us this week. We can do it. (laughs) No, but um, like any um, teenager does, we invited our friends over. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, but seriously, um, we've got a special guest speaker to tell us more about her story and her experience. And um, I know me personally telling your story is super hard in a normal setting, nonetheless, mm-hmm. on a podcast. Yeah. So thank you for being willing to do this for us. Absolutely. And Thanks for having me. And uh, being vulnerable. And yeah, with that, I give you guys Beth. Hi. Um, thank you guys for having me. Um it is super awkward, but we're going to do this. <laughs> um, we're all awkward sometimes, man. Who cares? Right? It's okay. Um, okay, so um, my name is Beth. I'm a person in long-term recovery. What that means for me is it is um, September 22nd. I will have three years clean. Mm-hmm. Um, I, my, I thought what I had was a normal childhood. Um, my mom is an addict. Um, so when I was three years old, she signed rights over to my grandparents. So that's who raised me. Um, I was raised in church. Um, I got married when I was 17, um, Mm. to my high school sweetheart. Um, and was married for 10 years. Um, before we kind of started with the drinking and it really just started with, with just drinking. Um, he is an alcoholic. Um, and his drinking went off the charts immediately. Um, we would party, we didn't have kids, so, um, we just kind of went and did, you know, what young couples do. Um, the drug use started, um, after my first child was born. Um, I was clean through that pregnancy, um, right after she was born, um, I witnessed a gunshot suicide. Mm. Um, so my husband's mother-in-law was, no, my husband's dad's girlfriend was staying with us at the time. She struggled with alcohol. Um, she woke up on a Tuesday morning. It was literally like a regular day. Um, he went to work and... I was at home with my newborn, just doing laundry, cooking breakfast. Um, I had one upstairs. She was in her room, and um, probably for me to Jade, so what, a couple of feet. Mm-hmm. Um, she shot herself in the head with th- uh, three fifty-seven. Oh my god! Um, for those of you wow. who know about guns, you know that does a lot of damage. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, that's when my drug use went off the charts. Well, yeah. Um, it was super traumatic. It was very, very traumatic and it took me a long time to even deal with what I seen, what I witnessed. Um, and it was at the time I was so focused on, um, very, um, materialistic things like having my house redone, you know, mm-hmm. cause it, it ruined my house, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, it ruined, I mean, we spent a lot of money getting our roof repaired, you know, and sheetrock redone and floors redone. And, um, 
at the time, that's what I focused on. I really didn't deal with, like, the mental part of it. Right. Um, so, once we got all that done and I had to move back in my house, it was like, that's when the mental part, that's when the emotional part kind of really took over my life. Um, I couldn't sleep. Um, my drug of choice was methamphetamine, so that really fueled my drug use. Mm-hmm. Um well, that makes sense. Like, right. I can't yeah. sleep, so let's exactly. just do something that aids in that. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> so that really helped in that department. Yeah. Um, at that time, my mom kind of came back in my life. She's an addict. Um, she kind of uh, assisted me in my drug, um, my drug use. So, and I wanted a, a relationship with her my whole life. So it kind of gave us a reason to bond, a reason to connect. Um, so that's kind of where she came back in. Um, I, of course that made, not only did it make my drug use go crazy, but it made my husband's alcoholism go off the charts as well. Mm-hmm. That's how he dealt with it. Right. Um, at the time he, um, he would leave and drink. Um, so it really didn't, I didn't think it bothered me that much. Um, when I got pregnant with my fourth child, um, and we had started arguing and the abuse had started and I would leave and stay gone a week and come back and leave and come back. And we just went through that whole thing. Um, I was very financially dependent on him. So a lot of me staying with him was for that reason. Mm. Um, I, by the time I got pregnant with my fourth child, I could not stop using. Um, it was so bad. I used the entire time I was pregnant. Um, and only by the grace of God is that little boy now three years old and perfectly healthy. Mm. Um, but when I when I delivered him, I tested positive for methamphetamines um, at childbirth. He tested positive as well. Um, he went through withdrawals. He was on morphine for three days. Um, because he tested positive, DFAX was brought into my life. Mm-hmm. Um, so they came in while I was still in the hospital, um, took custody of him, Um, And then they went to my house while I was still in the hospital and removed my other three children. Um, That's kind of when I thought my world had fell apart. Um, I had never had any history with defects. I didn't know anybody that did. So I was just thinking my kids are gone forever. I'm never going to see them again. Um, I was devastated. I was absolutely just, there was nothing left. Um, I got out of the hospital from um, having him. I went to court. Literally the day I was discharged and the judge ordered me to inpatient treatment. So I got to see my kids for just a very few short minutes in the courtroom. Um, and I was just like, okay, I have to get them back. I have to get them back. I'll do whatever you say. Um, whatever you tell me to do, you know, that's fine. So I went to treatment um, in Sandy Springs. I stayed six months. Um, I basically bullshit my way through the program Mm -hmm. um you know I did what they wanted me to do I said what they wanted me to say I you know um really skated through um just so I could get my kids back um that was part of my defects case plan was you know completion of treatment a job housing blah 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 so that's what I did um by any means possible um and then I and I, and I did it. I regained custody of my kids. Um, that was in Dawson. Let's see. Dawson was born in June. So I went to treatment in June. I got my kids back. I had my kids back by December. Oh, um, wow. I was very, I mean, as soon as I left treatment, I got an apartment. Um, 
my husband was sober at the time. He had to do the same kind of treatment I did, you know. Um, we were separated. I got my apartment, and then I realized, holy hell, I can't do this with four kids by myself. Right. Um, I was super overwhelmed um, because I really didn't learn anything while I was gone. I didn't work on any reasons why I used. I didn't um, deal with anything that I had been through. So when I got back to real life and got custody of my kids, here I am single with four kids, and I was about to lose my mind. Right. Mm. So I went back to him. And I was like, oh, he's sober. I'm sober. Let's be sober together. Mm -hmm. And um, I moved. I left my apartment. I moved me and all four kids back in with him. Um, and we did good for a while. Um, probably two or three months after we moved back in, his best friend was tragically killed in a car accident. Mm. So he instantly started drinking. Going back, yep. Um, well, when he relapsed, I relapsed. Mm -hmm. So... Here we are back in the same situation, um, except for this time he was, I don't know what changed, but something changed in him, and he was very, very violent when he got drunk. Just, I mean, he had so much anger and rage, and oh, it was just so, so scary. And he, um, you know, he would drink for, drinking gave him energy, so when he started drinking, he could drink for three days. Um. You know, I never understood that. And yeah, Some because people are like that, but that's so long. that was never me. So I never got it. You know, yeah. I mean, I could look at alcohol and go to sleep. So right. I never understood that part of his alcoholism. So he would just drink and drink and drink and drink. I mean, and it would just the longer he stayed up, the worse it got. Right. So on let's see, June second of two thousand nineteen, I had only had custody back for six, five months, six months. Um, he came home drunk. Um, it was really, really late at night, 11, 12 o'clock at night. Um, and he just, you know, kept wanting to fight, kept trying to pick a fight with me. And I was trying to keep him quiet because the kids were asleep. Um, eventually he had woke them up yelling and screaming and we were fighting. And, um, I had went upstairs. Um, my girls had a room, my boys had a room. I had taken my boys out and put them in my girls room. So we were all together. I was in there with them. Um, I had called 911 several times um, for help because he was getting really, really violent. He was breaking furniture. I was really scared, not only for my safety, but for the kids. Um, and I couldn't figure out why no one was coming. I had called. Um, I just I just remember calling over and over, and I was so afraid he was going to find my phone. So I would call, and I would throw the phone under the dresser, and I would call and throw the phone under the dresser. And I knew if he found my phone, he would smash it, and that would be the end of it. Mm. So... He, um, eventually he went downstairs. He got really quiet. Well, when he comes back up, he, our breaker box for the power, you know, was in the hall, the laundry room in the hallway. So he goes in there and he flips the breaker. So all the power goes out in the house. And then he comes and I'm sitting in the floor and I'm holding the boys. And Ansley, my oldest, is downstairs in the living room and... Carly, um, my two-year-old at the time, was behind me in her crib, and he, he's just like there, just all of a sudden, and he takes my glasses off my face, and he sprays me with something. I thought it was some kind of chemical at the time. I had no idea what it was until later, but um, I could not see. It was, it's, the residue got on both the boys that I'm holding. Um, we were all screaming. Um, turns out it was pepper spray, um, and it was like officer grade pepper spray. It was nothing mm. that you like buy in a gas station. Wow. Um, we 
I think when when it got to him, he kind of sobered up for a second because he said, oh my God, Beth, we have to get the kids out of the house. And I was like, you know what? You're right. I just used that little second of an opportunity to, I knew I was going to need help getting them out. So he, we got the kids out of the house and I'm telling you, as soon as I hit that front door, I was <laughs> gone and screaming and I ran to the neighbor's house. They called 911. Um, turns out I had called 13 times. Oh, wow. From my Yo, cell phone. Yeah. That's wild. Trying to get help. Dude, and that's like a movie. It is. Yeah. It is. It really. Like the breaker box like, and stuff? Yeah. Like, yeah. that is yeah. like horror movie like I firmly, I firmly believe if, if we would have had a gun in the house that night, he would have killed me. Um, he, uh, they, the, the cops came, and I will never forget it. He was, I was like standing in my neighbor's house. My neighbors, thankfully, they're like trying to, you know keep me and the kids in the house. He's in the front yard and I will never, ever forget it. And he looked at me and he said, now will you talk to me? You know, and I thought, wow, that's what you did all this for was to get me to talk to you. Um, but it just shows you kind of what kind of state of mind. How he was in. insane yeah. drugs and alcohol can make you. Right. Yeah. So, um, the cops came, he was arrested. He had, um, three felony counts of cruelty to children, um, assault and battery on me. Um, I, the next day, I went and filed a temporary protective order. Mm-hmm. Um, because our house was in his name, I had to leave. Um, mm. So he spent, I had about a month until he got out of jail. He finally made his $50,000 bond. Um, but once he was released, I knew I had to leave. Yeah. Um, so about two weeks later, I get a call from my old DBAT's caseworker. And she's like, hey, we guess what? We have court tomorrow. Um, because we had a report that your kids were injured um, in a domestic violence incident. So my heart sank. Um, mm. I called my kid's foster mom, who I had kept in contact with, and I asked her, I said, you have to go to court with me. Um, I'm so afraid they're about to take my kids again. So we went to court. Um, the judge wanted to remove the children for safety concerns. Um, and then, of course, when she gave me a drug test, I failed. Mm-hmm. Um so my foster mom stepped up and said, you know, I have a relationship with her and the kids. Please let me take them. So they went back to the same foster family. What a blessing. It was. What a it was huge really blessing. Because I'm telling you, that peace of mind, knowing where they were and what kind of family they, they were, were with. Safe and, and they were taken care of. Pro- possibly is what helped me really focus on myself. Right. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I think the first time when I was in treatment, I was so caught up on where they were, if they yeah. were being cared for, if they were being, um, if they were together. Mm-hmm. Um, that's all I could think about. So I think this time, really knowing where they were, um, right. what kind of home they were in. You know, my foster parents. I mean, they loved my kids like they were their own. Yeah. Um, and it was that they're such a huge part of my story because I literally couldn't have um, stayed as long as I did. And gotten all the tools that I got had it not been for them telling me, you know, don't worry about your children. We have them. Do you? You know? It turns treatment from, like, just a means to an end to, like, actually into treatment. Well, yeah. Like, what you're supposed to be there for. You can actually utilize what you're offered. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Because it gives you that peace of mind, not having to worry about that peace day in and day out. Right. Yeah. Because it was something that was such a huge... That was all I could think about, you know, my first time. I did not care about classes. I didn't care about 
talking to my counselor and right. therapy sessions, you know, because all I wanted to do was just get home to my babies. That's right. all I could think about. Um, so they took my kids for a second time. Bless their sweet little hearts. They had three kids of their own. So with my four and their three, they had seven. Whoa. Um, but they were so great to my kids. You know, they took them on vacation and they treated them like their children, not like foster kids. You know, Mm -hmm. they weren't left out of anything. They weren't, you know, they went to church with them. They, um, they really helped my kids through a very, very difficult time in their life. It was something they didn't understand either. They were very young, Mm -hmm. but they were old enough to understand that mom wasn't there. Dad wasn't there. Something's different. Something's going on. Right. You know, what's happening. Um, Mm -hmm. and they really took the time to, um, really help my kids through that. Um, so I, when my husband got out of jail, um, I then was homeless. You know, my kids have been taken. Um, I'm, I now have nowhere to go. Mm-hmm. I'm living on my mom's couch who is an addict. So that's Not like just look. fueling my, um, yeah. <laughs> drug yeah. use, you know, that was like no form of sober was anywhere in my near future where I was, mm-hmm. you know, um, and I was just buying time. I was trying to get into treatment again. Um, and I ended up going back to the same place. Um, I went back to Mary Hall for a second time. I remember I paid $70 for a lift. It was the only, the last $70 to my name. Um, and I literally loaded this lady's car with everything I was going to take, everything I owned, you know, because I didn't know where I was leaving. I didn't know where I was going to go when I left there, but I knew I was right. not going to go back to my husband. Right. And I knew I was not going to get high. So I, that poor lady, she was like, you want all of this in my trunk? And I'm like, yes, I do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sure do. This is everything I own. <laughs> so I, I did. I loaded up everything. Um, I put what I could in storage. I put, I took everything else with me. And I, when I got there, I just fell apart. I mean, I literally fell apart. Um, I had so much just anger and hurt and resentment and guilt and the Mm -hmm. shame and everything that I had been dealing with, even from the, before the first time I went, you know, just Mm -hmm. all of that had built up. And I finally was at a point in my life to where I was like, I did not know what I was going to do. I had no idea. Um, so I went there and I just fell apart. (laughs) I was a basket case, um, for probably the first, I don't know, four months. Um, literally I cried every day. Um, I was thankful that I was able to still see my kids. You know, I I knew they were safe. Um, I had a great support system from literally my foster family. They became my family. And my sisters live out of state. My mom's an addict. So I didn't really have anybody here that was a support, you know, a healthy support person. Um, so I was kind of on my own and I just fell apart. I, I remember going to my counselor's office just day after day and just talking about everything that I could possibly use over, you know, anything that I felt guilty over, you know, using while pregnant, that was something I couldn't even say out loud for yeah, the longest a year, you know? Mm-hmm. And I remember sitting in a, in a, in a class in treatment and this girl, you know, next to me kind of said the same thing. And I thought, Oh my God, you know, I thought I was the only one who did that, yeah. <laughs> you know, but you know, it, just that relief of like, Oh, you know, mm-hmm. finally I can talk about this yeah. and, um, I'm not the only one who did it. Does it make it any right. better? No, <laughs> but just to get that off my chest and to, to know that, um, it wasn't, that wasn't me. That wasn't me. That's mm-hmm. not who I am. Um, right. That's a you know, yeah, was, mm-hmm. was just such a 
huge relief. Um, and it was something that I, that you couldn't hold over my head anymore, you know, um, stealing and lying and, you know, anything that I did, you know, that I felt guilty over, I just basically threw it all up, you know, and I just talked to her about, you know, the gun, the, um, suicide that I witnessed, you know, Mm -hmm. I finally dealt with that, you know, and that, that had been years of just all of that, you know, stuck in my head, you know, and I just, I didn't tell anybody, I didn't deal with it. Um, the fact that you carried that alone around for as long as you did, my gosh, dude. And I felt, I kind of felt like at the time, you know, I was a mom. I didn't, I did not have time to fall apart. I did not have time to fall apart. I I did not have time. I had to work, you know, um, I had a baby. I just, I did not have time to just lose my, my marbles really, you know? Yeah. So I just kind of put it all back and then a little by little, it just caught up to me. Mm -hmm. Um, so the second time I was in treatment, I just got all that stuff out. Um, I stayed there nine months. Um, I stayed basically as long as I could because um, I was really scared to leave. I knew when I left, I was on my own. Right. Um, and my my defects caseworker was like, you know, well, when are you going to leave? You know, like, we're ready to give you your kids back. And I was right. like, I don't want to leave. I was so scared to right. leave. I was literally terrified to leave. Um, so you went to the community program there. I did. I went to CTH. Yeah. Um, because I, I, I mean, I could have got my kids back sooner really had I not stayed there, but I was so, I wanted to get as stable as I possibly could. Um, because I, I knew if I failed again, I would lose rights to my kids for one. Yeah. I would terminate my rights. Yeah. Um, and I knew I did not want to go. I did not want to be with a man because I couldn't do it on my own. That's, that's a huge. Really, yeah, that's a really powerful thing to say because I feel like a lot of times, especially when when we have people that are like in treatment, because in the grand scheme of things, like nine months is not a ton of time. It's not. But like the clarity for you to know at that point, like that you I have weren't to, ready. I have to yeah. use every minute that I have of yeah. this as an opportunity. Like I literally probably would have stayed longer had they let me, but they were like, yeah. right. "Please leave. Same please for me. Get, you know, please, yeah. please go get your kids back." Yeah. You know, and I was like, "But are you sure?" Like I, I really am just not sure. I was so um, scared to leave and not make it. Right. Yeah. You know, I was scared to um, to leave and not. Um. You know, I at the time I only had I had four kids. You know, so I was like, I have to make enough money. Yeah. To support me and four children. God, you know, that's I so have overwhelming. to Woo. Yeah, like I have to and that seems like like that just seemed like a huge weight on my chest. Yeah. You know, knowing that okay, these four kids depend on me and if I fail, I don't have them anymore. Right. Like right. That's they're, it. they're gone that. in the system. They're, that's done. Yes. Yeah. They're, Forever. They're, yeah. There would there would not be another case plan. There would not be another court hearing. It would be, yeah, um, back. yeah, it would be a TPR. They would terminate my parental rights. Yeah. And that would be it. There's no discussion. There's no anything. Uh, my kids, because of my kids' ages, um, they, you know, you get two strikes. It's and not three it. strikes, you're out. It's two. <laughs> so I knew I had, there was no other option. There was no other option. I had to, I had to figure it out. So I stayed, um, Thankfully, you know, I prayed a lot about, um, the timing and I, when I left treatment, I left February, 2020, the end of February, beginning of March. So that's when COVID hit. Wow. Shit. So, yeah. So I leave treatment. 
I get myself this little nice little broom at the extended stay right over here on Highway 5. And because I knew I didn't want to live in Sandy Springs, I cannot afford that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so yeah. I'm like, I've never lived in Douglasville. Let's try that. I knew I right. could go back to Paulton County. So yeah. I got myself a room on Highway 5. Had never lived here before. So, but I was still working at North Fulton Hospital. Um, so I'm driving from Douglasville to oh, Roswell. God. Every I've day. I've done that before. And I was literally, it was right in the middle of COVID. I was working at a hospital. So because of my job um, and because of DFAC's rules, um, they cut my visitation out. As soon as I left treatment, they said, no, you can't see your kids right now. Um, because of COVID? Yes. Oh, oh that's God. rough. So, kind of a two sides of a coin, right? right? So Blessing in I'm, disguise? I'm, yes. So I'm sitting there and I'm like flipping out. I'm like, oh my God, what do you mean I can't see my kids? They're like, oh, well, you can do virtual visits. Okay, well, my kids are like toddlers. You know, right, you know what it's gonna, like yeah. to do a virtual visit with a toddler. Right. right. It was like <laughs> ridiculous. So yeah. um, we did that. I stuck I stuck it out. So two weeks after I leave, I get this phone call at 4 o'clock in the morning. And it is from my now ex-husband, his roommate. And it's a girl. And I, and I knew he had a girl for a roommate, you know. And she's like, hey, Beth, um, the, the Cobb County police are here. And Jason's been in a very bad accident, and they need you to go and identify him. At yes. Oh my God. So I'm like, what? So I jump up, I drive to his house, and I meet the the police there, and they're like, I can't tell you if he's dead or alive, but he he was drinking, and he um, flipped his F three fifty at about eighty miles an hour and hit a tree. Wow. And he's at Kennestone Hospital, and we need you to go there now. So I remember leaving there, and I remember thinking, what in the hell did I do? Like, what? why? Why, why is, is this happening? happening to me? Yeah. You know, like, I literally just left treatment two weeks ago, and I thought I was so strong, and I thought I was so, like, I got this, you know. And then it was like, I couldn't, then the kids got cut, and then now this is happening. And I'm thinking, <clears throat> okay. So I, I remember calling my sponsor literally at like four o'clock in the morning on the way to the hospital. And I'm like, please tell me I can do this. And she's like, look, you can do this. There's, you know, God does not put you through anything you can't handle. Right. There's a reason for this. Just, you know, let's just, um, I'll never forget. She said, you call me back at 10 o'clock and at 10 o'clock, if you're still feeling like this, we'll reevaluate the situation and then we'll go from there. But for right now, you're just going to make it to 10 o'clock because literally the thought of having to make it a whole day was too it's much. Too much. Oh point, yeah. You know? Yeah. So I was like, okay, you're right. That that's fine. I can I can, I make can it do till ten. Yeah. yeah. So that's only six hours. I'll be fine. So that's how I had to live my life for about a week. You know, was literally five six hours at a time. And I got to the hospital, and he was alive. Um, but because we were still legally married, I was now in charge of his entire care. Oh yeah. So here that's heavy. The yeah. dude that yeah. tried to like kill, kill me. me. Yes. Pepper yes. sprayed the kids. Yes. Okay. So here I am, and the nurses are coming at me like. Props to not like know. flipping the switch, man. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was as close to unplugging him. I'm not even gonna lie. <laughs> but um, the nurses were coming at me, and I remember standing there looking at him, and it didn't even look like him. Yeah. You know, this is a man I've been married to um, for 17 years, like my entire adult life but this is also a man that tried to kill me right and my kids yeah. <laughs> so I'm just I remember standing there in the hospital room and I'm just looking at him and I'm like what the hell do I do 
and the nurses are coming at me and they're like, sign this, sign this, sign this. He has to go to surgery. He has to do this, you know, and I'm like, okay. And I'm just signing and I'm like not even feeling anything. And I'm just like, whatever, 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 you know, and yeah. And he was on, um, he spent probably six months, um, on a ventilator. Um, and I remember calling his dad who lives in, um, he lived in South Carolina, Carolina. And I was like, you have to come here. I'm going to sign power of attorney over to you and, and you're going to have to be in charge. I can't do, can't this. do this anymore. I yeah. can't do this. Yeah. Like, um, I hope he makes it for his own self because I knew in, in my heart, I knew he struggled with addiction just like I did. And his sins are no worse than mine. What? Um, he, what he chose to do was not him. Does it make it any better or worse? No. Um, but I had really worked hard to forgive him so that right. I could move on. Right. And it was really yeah. hard in that moment to um, to be that close to him and to be in charge of his care. Right. And I knew I wanted him to be okay for his kids, for, um, you know, for his own self. I wanted him to get help. I wanted him to... Um, to be, to feel that peace that I felt. Yeah. Um, but also knew I couldn't do it for him. And that's such a hard piece too, especially with yeah. people that we've had so much long-term ties with, no matter yes. who they are in our lives. If you see someone struggle and you've had the ability to get clean, mm-hmm. it's so hard to not try to do it for them. Yes. yes. So hard. And it's so yes. hard not to just want to shake them and be like, oh, why don't you get this? Yes. Yeah. You know, like mm-hmm. it was so frustrating. And I remember, um, I remember thinking if he wakes up from this, you know, I'm going to kill him, <laughs> you know, because how, like, Understandably I, was so, so, yeah, I was so angry at him for putting me through this and it sounds selfish at the time, you know, but I was like, I didn't care, you know, like now I'm going to have to tell our child that you didn't make it because of alcohol, right? literally, you know, I mean, he was, he was detoxing on top of a major, major you know, accident, uh, yeah. Right. So, you know, for three or four days, we didn't even know if he was going to make it. Mm-hmm. You know, so his dad came down. I signed power of attorney. I was like, I hope he gets better. Um, you know, call me if you need me. I think um, that's a really important thing that you just said um, because you had said that you, you worked so hard on forgiving him. Yeah. But what I think can be misconstrued a lot of the times is forgiveness still comes with boundaries. Oh, um, yes. You know? That's a really important um, piece. Really important And piece. it's it's actually crucial to true forgiveness, uh-huh. you know? And um, although that, that person was so close to you and you have so many, like, conflicting, like, it's so hard to be an addict and save yourself and then watch somebody else not save themselves and all of those conflicting right. feelings that come up just with that piece, mm-hmm. but the fact that you held your boundaries and you yeah. kept the space there in order to stay in a place of forgiveness, right. that's, that's really commendable. Yeah, yeah, and I think I struggle with codependency, too, so not want or... Not allowing myself to take care of him. Right. It could have easily um, gone that way. Yeah. Because I, for a split second, I was like, oh my God, he's going to need somebody to take care of him. He's not going to be able to, you know, he's not going to be able to live by himself. Right. Um, and then I think his family thought I would step up and do that. And do it. So when I had this whole sit down conversation with his dad and his aunt, and I'm like, look, I, I do love him. I was married to him for, you know, he's the father of my kids. Of I course. Do, I do care for him, and I do love him as a person, mm-hmm. and I really hope he gets better, and I really hope this is his wake-up call. I hate that it had to come to this, 
but um, I am not going to be the one who takes. I'm not. I, I'm. This, this is not my. This is not my battle. No. This is not my problem. It can't and I be. And I mean that as nice as as I possibly can. This is not my problem. Right. Um. And and he. This is the actions he chose. And you're his family. And if you can't take care of him, you're going to have to find somebody who can, because it's not going to be me. Right. Um. And that was probably one of the hardest things I had to do because, um. I think it was like not the day of his accident maybe the day after he was supposed to have a video visit with my oldest Ansley so I had to go on there and tell her you can't see your dad today he was in an accident I don't know when you're gonna be able to see him you know right um so dealing with all that and then just having to separate myself from him and that whole situation was very 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 hard um but I did and I just I, I I just couldn't do it and I came back to Douglasville I came back to my hotel room I kept my job and I kept my visits with my kids and I just kept I went back to my life you know yeah and he um, he got better and he's doing his thing um, and then I let's see COVID was March of 2020 so I spent that most of that year really trying to get myself together. I rented an apartment finally um, and was able to get custody of my kids back and it was like this little two bedroom tiny little hole in the wall horrible apartment. I but mean it, it was, was yours. Yes. It was, it was yours. Like, it was so, baby. People don't yes. understand that first place. It was bad. I mean like all four of my kids were in one. It was a two bedroom so I had a room and then it was like we had a bump bed, a trundle, and a crib all in the same room. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, please. I bet please. they freaking loved it. They though. did. They I did. bet they loved it. Climbing they, all over yes. each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was like super tiny. And yeah. I remember when my caseworker came to like, you know, approve it or whatever. I was like, please say it's okay. Please say it's okay. It was literally <laughs> all I could afford. You right. know, like this is like maxing it out. Yeah. Right. Um, so he did he approved it and i'm desperately trying to find another job at the time because i'm still driving to north fulton and i knew Mm -hmm. i could not get my kids back um with that job i can't you know i i had to be at work at seven daycare opens at right imagine like taking them Um, to school there was no way that it just wasn't it wasn't possible for me to keep that job and and have custody of them so i'm like desperately trying to find another job so god lays on my lap i'm a um, a job for, for an insurance agency. Um, it was for one of my really good friends that I was good friends with in high school. She is an insurance agent in Billerica. She just got her own agency and she was needing help. And it was like, you could work from home. Um, you know, I will pay you very well. And she did. And, yeah. um, so I, I started doing that. I was able to get custody of my kids back. Um, they came home in September September 22nd of 2020. Um, and they've been home ever since. December um, of that year, I left that apartment and got our house. Um, and I'm still working from home. And I make enough now to where um, I could take care of them. You know, I don't ever have to depend on someone else. What a beautiful thing. Yeah. That is so it's amazing. crazy how I was thinking um, the other day, like how crazy my, how different my life is. Yeah. Now than the ability to transition. Yeah. Yeah. That, and you went from completely to 
dependent on someone else to completely independent and dependent on yourself. Right. And you don't have to worry about the kids. That's a beautiful thing, Beth, man. Yeah. It really is. And I think that it's so... Like, let's be let's be honest and let's call a spade a spade. You should not be here. Oh, Period. No. Yeah. End of story. Like, no. you should no. not be alive right now. No. Um, and, and if we're going to be really real, neither should one of my, neither should my kids. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like, I used the entire time I was pregnant with Dawson. I'm talking every day. There's no reason that little boy should be here and be normal. There's not, not to mention you know, that, that the pepper the, spray incident. Right, there's that no whole thing. reason. Like you said, if there they were a gun in the house, you know, they were babies. There's no reason they should mm-hmm. be here and be healthy and perfect like they are. You know, right. not just wow. me, but the kids included. So I think, um, you know, they still struggle at times. Um, they went to therapy, and um, yeah, you know, I'm sure their, they had their own. They had their own little battle, um, especially my oldest. She was old enough to really understand what was going on that night. Right. Um, so That's rough. She, yeah. She, um, she's, it's been a real battle for her to build that relationship back with her dad. Right. It took a long time for her to trust him. Um, I mean, that's completely understandable. Right. Yeah, yeah. You know, and what sucks is at the time, you know, he had court-ordered visitation. So although she really wasn't comfortable seeing him, um, we kind of had to facilitate it um, because he was he had visitation rights right. through the court. Um, That's nuts. Yeah. So we had to thankful, um, you know, for Amanda and for the girls at the visitation center because they really um, helped me put my mind at ease that they were going to make sure she was taken care of. And um, for the first, I don't know, probably 10 or 20 visits, Ainsley wouldn't let him go inside. You know, that's how guarded she was. She would only visit with him in the lobby. Mm-hmm. Um, well, good for her, though. Yeah. And she, you know, we told her, look, this is your this is your party. You know, whatever you're comfortable with, what? this, this is, is what your party. Doing. You know, you tell us what I think that it's sit. insane that kids don't have a voice when it comes to the judge. Like, yeah. like, a kid can't go up in front of a judge and be like, I don't want to. Right. He had court order and that's, visitation. And that's what I think is, like, such a big thing that, like, one of those things that we don't talk about a lot, right? Like, so let's get to the raw, real part of it, right? That we have uh, so many different systems in place, right? That are not... Um, they're they broken. They're broken. They don't mm-hmm. make sense. Because if it was any other setting, you would never force a child to do something. Right. That's that like forcing a child to like be in a room with their... Uh, what, Abuser. What, what, what if it, what if it was what like... Yes. I mean, and that's, that's where what, that trauma stems from. That's but psycho. But the parent... Right. right. He has so, rights. Right. So his criminal case, right, was in Cobb County, okay? So his, um, that's where his criminal case was, his cruelty to children charges, all of that. Our defects case was in Paulding, okay? So although- They were like separate entities. There was no mixture, okay? Even wow. though, even though I made sure our, our judge for defects was well aware of what had happened. Was well aware why he wasn't at court. Right. Because he's in jail. Right. For uh-huh. harming us. You right. know, you're, she she was very aware of um, what his charges were, what had happened. Um, police reports were, you know, I obtained police reports, you know. Um, and, but because he pushed the visitation issue. Um, 
And it's a technicality. It is a technicality because his no contact order was in Cobb County. It wasn't in Paul. Shut wasn't it, it down, dude. Yes. Let's flip it around so, though. If that had been right, if that had been you, you uh, would have immediately violated your safety plan, right. and they would have immediately taken your kids from right. you. Yeah. Yep. So, so they, so the judge went ahead with it and ordered supervised. It had to be supervised, of course. Right. So I That's instantly, still crazy, I instantly like panicked. Mm-hmm. because I thought, okay, the first time she's going to see him, I'm not going to be there. Right. You know, she hasn't seen him in three or four months, you know, because he um, he was in jail for about a month, mm-hmm. and then it took him a couple months to push this visitation issue, to get mm-hmm. a court hearing, to get supervised visitation. So I was, like, freaking out that she was going to see him without me, and it was, um, it. we definitely all worked together to make it, even though it had to happen, we made it as much about her as possible. Right. Um, you know, you you get to pick the place, you get to pick the time, you know, um, you get to pick what we're gonna eat. You know, we tried to make it. That is still um, so crazy. To me. Yeah, but that's part. That's I think that's what really sucks about when it's not your say so anymore. There's so it many. wasn't my say so. You know, I didn't have custody. I couldn't. I couldn't. Right, you don't have a voice in that situation. Right. That's the thing that's so crazy. Like, So there's the whole judicial piece of it, right? Mm-hmm. That's like the visitation and all that. And then there's the whole other piece about treatment, which we've talked about before on previous episodes, which is you're talking about nine months. You felt like nine months wasn't enough. I was in treatment for six months. I don't know how long you were there. I was in treatment for six months. It's it's a drop in the bucket comparatively. Right? And, and I think it's Cameron, just like a small piece compared to your entire life. Like what's at, six months out of 30 Well, years? Cameron like, even said that like... Treatment used to be a minimum of 18 months. That and then the funding, standard. that was wow. the standard. Cut it. Funding like, has cut it to, to six, six months. months. And she's scared that funding's going to cut it to three. three. And that's the thing that's crazy is because, you know, she, she elaborated a little bit more as far as like the cognitive things with your brain and things like that. But like at 18 months, you're just barely starting to get back to a place where you can start to make rational decisions. Right. And to do things. Yeah. So no wonder we have such a high rate of relapse, relapse. Mm-hmm. overdose and death. Because you're you're giving people a taste of what they can do, and then you send them out with no resources like you're talking about. Yeah. You're living in an extended stay, which is a drug haven. Right. I mean, there's no... In and, a city I have never lived in, you know, right. so I'm just like Roman Douglasville. You are a miracle, girl. <laughs> yeah, Roman Douglasville, you know, I was yeah. so... Um, and I didn't have any family. You know, I didn't have... Um, I didn't have any family. Yeah, like, it's not like you could call your mom. Right. right. My and my um, recovery family literally has became that's my family. That's who I have holidays with. Right. That's who comes to my kids' birthday parties. That's right. what's up, um, though. That's what it's supposed to be. That's who um, I call when I need a babysitter. Yeah, <laughs> you know that's who. That's what um, I did too. I, it's not my mom that I call when I need help. Mm-hmm. It's not my aunt that I call when I need um, when I want to go somewhere for Thanksgiving, um, because those are not healthy relationships. And no. that's probably one of the hardest things I've had to do is cut off. And my family, um, I haven't, I haven't talked to my mom since I went to treatment the second time. Really? Um, I didn't well. know that. Mm-hmm. And she, as far as I know, she lives in Florida. Um, I have no idea if she's clean or not. Um, but I think that's probably one of the hardest real relationships I've had to cut off has been the one with my mom. Cause you know, you're a girl you always want. Yeah. Yeah. Mom. I think that's just a habit to um, yeah. society and stuff like that. You want that connection, but yeah. I, I, I can really, I've had to put some pretty firm boundaries in place with stuff with my mom, um, in the last year as well, but, um, it's hard. It's really hard, but I, like you were talking about, everything that you have is, is recovery related and like 
that's the way that I built my life when I got out of treatment. Yes. Like because because they talk so much about connection and success and all this stuff. Like I don't have. I could go through my phone, my contacts list, and I might have a couple hundred people in there now, but they're literally all people in recovery. Right. All of them are. Every I think single it one. literally makes or breaks you um, because I think that's what was really different for me the second time is I wasn't really ashamed of it anymore. Right. You know? Yeah. That um, acceptance piece of it. Right. So um, I didn't, you know, the, I think the first time when I got out, I was like, okay, see you people. You know, I don't ever want to see you again. Right. <laughs> you know, right. like... It was a means to an end. Right. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really, um, I didn't get numbers. I didn't use the numbers that I got, you know. Right. So I just kind of, I didn't want that to be part of my life. Right. Because I really didn't think at the time I still had a problem. So I think once I really accepted the fact that I had a problem, this is, I'm always going to have a problem. I'm always going to be, a, I'm always going to be an addict. Always. I'm never going to be able to use drugs. Acceptance is right. the answer to all of so our problems. So I think once I really, that really sank in and I really was like, okay, I have to have a whole new lifestyle. Like yeah. whatever I was doing before did not work. And I really just dove into the recovery community and just really um, accepting the help, you know, that they're willing to give you. Um it really made a huge difference in me being successful. Do you think, I was going to ask you this earlier, but I think you just kind of really touched on it right there. Do you think that that was the big difference for you between the first and the second time in treatment? Yes. The acceptance piece of it mm-hmm. for you? I think that and just learning, um, yeah, acceptance is really what it boils down to because I think the second time I really just, I had the desire. I didn't want to use anymore. I didn't want mm-hmm. to live that life anymore. Um, I really wanted to, to figure out why, right? Like I didn't, I I didn't want to use anymore. So I wanted to get out every single thing that was in me that I thought was a reason I was using, (laughs) you know, trauma and mental health and, um, feeling abandoned and my family and all those things that I was just like so upset over. Um, you know, I was just going to tell anybody who would listen. Because I, I think was that's that a, desperate for I think relief. I think that's a real piece of uh, the actual healing part of it that a lot of people don't talk about is it's not dealing with part of it. It's dealing with all of it. Yeah. Oh, if yeah. you don't get that shit out, it's yeah. going to come back. Yeah. It's going to come back. And that's, that's something as addicts and I think in other facets of other people's lives too. But like if we don't, if we don't acknowledge these patterns deal with the patterns mm-hmm. and heal from the patterns. Mm-hmm. Well, that too. And we're going to pass it down to our children. Exactly. Right? Because exactly. it's going to affect the way we parent them. It's going to affect the way we deal with them. It's going to affect our relationships yeah. moving forward. Even on a subconscious like, level. Yeah, mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. Like, like there are visceral reactions in me when my daughter does certain things. Right, And absolutely. it's because of things that I haven't dealt with. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And that's not fair to her for me to, like, no. right. you know have some emotional trauma response to like her asking me, mommy, 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 mommy. And then right, me finally yeah. like freaking what? out. Right. Like she's like, I just wanted to show you something. <laughs> right. Like here's my you know, picture right? like, colored. And, like, and she's I like, I worked Flipping really out. hard and I love you so much. <laughs> right, right, right. You know? And I'm like, go away. You right. know, like that's yeah. not fair. But if I don't take the time to learn what that is, like, where is that coming from? Why mm-hmm. is that triggering me? But then it is nice it because that, that I nice. didn't get the attention that I was supposed to have right. when I was a child right. and like But isn't it nice now that you even have that desire to know that stuff? You know, like right. because I'll, a, I'll be honest with you, sometimes it is nice right. and sometimes it really annoys As, me. Right. <laughs> I'm sure. I feel like I do a lot of like overthinking about things just because I'm so self aware. 
like I do because too. I am so self aware of like um like knowledge is power as far as like our healing and things like that and like being more aware of um like surface emotions versus things that are deeper right like having learned all this stuff in <laughs> yes. treatment. It's like before it was just like oh, I'm just pissed. Let me just be pissed. But like now it's like mm. why am I really mad? Let's what get to the root of the mad. problem. Mad is not the root emotion, <laughs> right? So right. let's backtrack. Really, I'm feeling some fear, <laughs> and but um, I think yeah. also too like something something that I don't talk a lot about is um, my husband and I had a conversation about this the other day was. Um, it's okay to not want to deal with it right then in that moment, too. Yes. Like if well, thank you for saying place, that, because sometimes I just want to be in my little blissful, ignorant bubble. Okay? Yes. Like, it makes yeah, me think, tired, all right? I, I, think, I think that, um, you know, like, obviously not putting it off forever, but I think just being like, today is not a day that I'm in a place to deal with this. Right. I, I see it. I, I acknowledge it for what it is, but I'm not in the middle space or capacity to deal with this today. Right. Okay, cool. That makes me feel a little better. Yes. I think (laughs) it is important. Yeah. And and voicing where you're at with it. Like, listen, I see it for what it is. I know what's going on. I'm just not there today. And then when I'm in a better headspace, let's try to tackle this Mm -hmm. one step at a time. Right. I think that's something that a lot of people don't do, especially like when we're in relationships with people, right? Because we get into an argument or whatever else. (laughs) And, and, you know, uh, my husband was kind of what made me think about that the other day because he... He said something. I kind of agged it on. Whatever. It wasn't really a big blow up conversation, but it was like a, a the beginning stages of something. And I said, "Why are you not talking to me about this?" And I really kind of kept pushing it. And he said, "Because I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think that it's beneficial right now." Right. And I said, "Thank you for communicating that to me." Look at him because, go. Because right? had you have not said that to me, I would have kept agging this on. Right. But now I can see where you're at with it. You're trying to control your emotions in the situation. Right. So let me give you the time and space, and we can readdress it at a time that's better for you. Right. See, and that's boom. important. Mic yeah. drop. And I think you know, I'm like, working on that too, but I'm working on it with my kids. And that's uh, a very important piece. You know, very like um, because I, I, I think I've gotten. Thanks to treatment. I think I've gotten pretty good at verbalizing my emotions with an adult. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. um, like okay, Casey, I don't feel like talking about this right now. You know, I just, like, right. let's try again in an hour. Or yeah. you know, I'll call you tomorrow or something. Right. It's really hard with at, toddlers, though. Right. But, yeah. like, with, um, okay, so my daughter Carly, is, she just turned five. And she is very animated, very um, mm-hmm. over the top. Right. Yeah. And... Love that about her, by the way. <laughs> yeah, she's super, super over the top. Love but, that for um, you. <laughs> yeah. So I've, I've tried really hard to um, explain to her, you know, kids are, they have like all these big feelings and they don't know how to deal with them and it's like, <gasps> so yeah. they flip right. out. So I've tried, I've started trying to do that exact same thing, but on a kid level, well, you uh-huh. know, like, okay, let's, um, let's not talk about this right now because she'll get so worked up. Right. Especially when she's in trouble, you know, or she does something she's not supposed to. And it's like pointless to try to conversate with her at that time because she's not, she's not ready to listen. She's not going to hear what I'm saying. So we've started being like, okay, um, let's take a time out and I'm going to go out of your room and you're going to sit in here. And then in 30 minutes when you're calmed down and when I'm calmed down, we're going to come back and we're going to talk about this and we're going to figure out what happened and figure out what we can do better. And she's like, Cameron said something the other day that was a really important piece. It's like, I feel like us as a society, we have a, we have a thing where we have these crazy expectations out of kids that we don't even have out of adults. Uh-huh. And yes. Then, and then it's like this thing where everybody's like, oh my God, how do we, you know, I can't believe you're letting your kids act like that. Well, I, 
they're learning to even have an emotion right now. They're the whole world is a whole new thing to them. They've right. never experienced before. And now they're growing in their brains and doing all these things. And you guys have these expectations out of them like they're grown adults. I mean, right. it's kind of crazy if you think about it. It really is. down to the basis of what it is. Like, and that's, I, I think it's so important for us to make sure that we're giving our kids a safe space to have those things that we didn't have. Right. Yeah. Because, you know, it, not only like everyone's lives are different situationally, but they're also different um, generationally, mm-hmm. the yeah. idea of how we were raising kids when we were kids is completely different it's completely than really it's obsolete. Yeah. 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 I, I struggle yeah. with that right now because like in my generation, it was just blind obedience. Like right. you do what you're told because Period. I told you That's to. Right. And There's I have to fight, I have to, right. I have to fight that within myself when Harper's like, but why, but why? <laughs> right. But like, if an adult would just be blindly obedient to someone without questioning why, I would call them dumb. Right. Yeah. Like oh, I would. I would. You're just a, you're, I would call. I would. Right. I would call them ignorant. Like mm-hmm. that's really um, unsafe of you right. to right. just be blindly just obedient okay. to, right. to somebody. Like, are you sure you're not in a cult? Right. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> are you brainwashed? <laughs> right. Yeah. You know. But I expect that out of my child. Right. And like that's crazy. You put it like that. Yeah. 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 And um, I think. I struggle with, um, I think my, it's different for me because my kids have been in foster care twice. Right. So when they came home, their behavior was like crazy, crazy, um, because it was just such a big change for them Mm -hmm. and it was so hard to, um, to deal with that. Like when they first came home, like I think we slept. Well, like and it's super overwhelming. Collectively, too. like twelve yeah. hours the first week, we were exhausted. Yeah. But it was like um, trying to keep that in mind. Like they've been through a lot. They've right. been through a lot, you know. And I, I went through the same thing they did, and I I needed therapy. <laughs> right. You know? So of course they would need. So like they're they're trying to process all of this stuff that's happened, all of these changes, all of these different houses they've lived in, mm-hmm. and moving, and then getting settled, and then moving, and then getting settled, and then moving, and, and then, then yeah, you know, people are like in and out of their life, and um, I think it's really hard to it's hard for me to keep that in mind sometimes when yeah. I'm just like. Eh! You know, I think like that's they're a, whole people, man. Yeah. I think that's a really good piece for us to kind of wrap up on right there is remembering to give not only our children, um, but us some, some grace, grace for, Definitely. for what we've been through mm-hmm. for um, how far we've come, even if sometimes it doesn't seem like it's as far as we want it to be, but that's okay. But that's okay. It's a yeah. process. It's a stepping stone. Yeah. And we need to remember like comparatively to where we had things going on, no matter how small that small that progress may seem to us. It's a really big step in the right direction. Right. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. And that's why, again, you know, thank you for coming on here. Yeah. Thank seriously. you for being vulnerable because I think it's so easy for people to like want to put addicts in this box and not see the humanness be- behind it right. and the mm-hmm. things that we've overcome and the things that we've been through. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, like I said, you're a miracle, dude. Thanks and for... let me share. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, man. We really appreciate it. Well, guys, um, we're going to sign off here. We're almost out of time. Um, next week, Cam will be back and we'll start touching back on, um, some of the struggles of, um, that we face as a person in recovery. So yeah, we look forward to seeing you guys. See you guys next week. Thanks, Beth. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.